I'd like you to take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua in chapter number 24. Does anyone need a Bible? Anyone need a Bible? Okay. Joshua in chapter 24. We're going to read together verses 14 down through verse 18. I'll begin reading in verse 14, and then you can join me on every other verse as we go down to verse 18. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Read verse 18, please, with me as well. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. and I'd ask that you would pray in this prayer time as we go into the message that I mean, every week I have this desire, but uh, maybe some weeks there's a, a greater desire. I don't know. I'm only human. But I do have a great desire today with the truth that God has laid on my heart. Please pray with me about that. Heavenly Father, I am just a man. I, I don't have anything to offer in my, in my flesh. Uh, you say in your word that in my flesh dwelleth absolutely no good thing. I'm well aware of that. And uh, I, I pray that today this would not be a message from uh, a man, but it would be a message from you, Father. It is your word, and so I pray that your word would be supreme. I pray, God, that you would empty me of myself, hide me behind the cross. Help me not to say anything that would dishonor you, but help me to say everything that would honor you, regardless of how it may be received. I pray that I would speak with compassion and boldness with an audience really of only one, and that's you. Our prayer today is that you would be glorified. Please move amongst us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I wonder today if you have a favorite Bible character, a favorite Bible character. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands of who your favorite Bible character is, but maybe you have a favorite Bible character. One of my favorite, I don't think I have just one, but one of my favorite Bible characters is the human penman of the book that we just read from a few moments ago. And that is the man by the name of Joshua. If you know anything about the life of Joshua, you, you know how God has taken him from um, really standing up as a young man. He stood up with one other guy by the name of Caleb, and he stood up and said, no, God will let us uh, uh, take the land of Canaan and 
that was kind of maybe in the middle of his life or in the early part of his life. But, and yet, you know, not everybody was for what Joshua was for. And yet he continued to uh, faithfully be the leader following the great leader. I mean, who would want to walk in the sandals of Moses? I mean, come on. This is, you know, the leader of all leaders. And yet Joshua, uh, God used in a mighty way. And so he's someone, if you've never read the book of Joshua, boy, this would be a great time to read the book of Joshua, starting in the beginning, maybe a chapter a day or something, because this is actually, this is the end. What we're talking about today is the end of his life. And so there's a lot that we can learn, obviously, uh, not just at the end, but all the way through. But what we read in, jo in um, Joshua 24 is Joshua's last words. He's not going to be around long. And this last chapter of the book of Joshua, penned by Joshua under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, it's kind of like his last sermon to the people. It's kind of like his last uh, um, charge. His last words. This is what the people were going to remember that he said right at the end of his life. So when we think of even someone's last words, those should be taken maybe a little bit more with emphasis, especially in a man like Joshua. His life is coming to an end. This morning, I'd like to speak to you on those four words, famous words in our text verse, which is verse 15. And I'd like to speak to you on those four words, choose you, thank you, choose you this day. At the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to make a decision. To make a choice. That's what Joshua did. I'm no Joshua. And I hope this isn't my last message. <laughs> anyway. But he did say, choose you. But he also said, choose you this day. Not next week. Not next year. But this day. We'll get into that. Let's look at the beginning of the chapter. And um, I think the introduction will be as long as the message. So let's look at the beginning of the chapter. And we see several things in verses 2 to 13. We want to let the word of God speak. Let's read verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, just follow along there, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. So basically, Joshua is giving the people a history lesson. How many of you like history? How many of you like to study history? All right. Not necessarily just Bible, but history in general. Well, that's what he's giving them. He's giving them a history lesson. Why would somebody give them a history lesson? Well, one thing I can think of is this, so that they don't forget how many times do we have to be told something over and over and over and over and over and over and over again so that we don't forget it, so that we remember it? And again, he's just about to pass off the scene. I'm sure he could feel that he was getting a little weaker and he was getting a little less, uh, you know, didn't have as much energy at the end of the day or whatever. And so God inspires Joshua to tell the people, hey, remember. He doesn't say, remember what I did for you. That's important. He doesn't say, oh, hey, everybody, remember Joshua and me? Remember me and, remember me and Caleb? I mean, we were all that, and you know, slice of bread and all that. No, he says, God, remember what God did for us. Remember how God delivered us. Remember how God provided. And all the way through, we won't read all the verses, but all the way through, down to verse 13, he's talking about that. Verse 8, brought you out of the land of the Amorites. 
Verse 7, when you cried, I put darkness between you and Egypt. Did all these miracles. Talks about Balaam and Balak in verse 9. Therefore he blessed you still, verse 10. So I delivered you out of his hand. And he, Verse 11, he talks about how they crossed over the Jordan River and what a miracle that was. And, and then he says, hey, remember Jericho? I love that song, Josh. You fought the battle of Jericho. Special music for today. Right there, it's over now. I love that. And he says, remember Jericho? I mean, remember, I mean, those walls were so thick. It was, it was impenetrable. There was no way to get in there. He says, remember what God did? And the walls came tumbling down. He says, don't forget Jericho. Don't forget all my almighty God who took some trumpets and took some voices and the walls came down. He says, don't forget that. He talks about all the ites in verse number 11. Notice the last statement of verse number 11. Are you at verse number 11? Joshua 24, 11. Do you see the last statement? And I, and I, and I delivered them into your hand. That I there is God. Wow. Remember, God. Remember all that God has done. I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you. Verse 12, even the two kings of the Amorites. But not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. Wow. What kind of victory is that? That's God's kind of victory. Notice verse 13. And I have given you a land. They're there right now. They're there right now. Joshua is saying we're in Canaan. We're in the promised land. God gave it to us. And notice he says, I'm giving you a land that you did not labor. I'm giving you a land which cities you did not build. I'm giving you a land filled with vineyards. I'm giving you a land filled with olive yards. And every single one of them you didn't plant. Joshua is saying, don't forget. Don't forget everything that God has provided for us. We could say that this was a time of prosperity and this was a time of blessing. Those are two dangerous words. What do you mean? Sound good to me. Yeah, they do sound good. The problem is when prosperity comes and blessing comes, the human nature is to forget where they came from. Human nature is to forget that I didn't, Provide salvation for me. God did. Human nature is to, it will forget that God is the one who lifted my feet out of the miry clay and set my feet on the solid rock. God is the one who saved my sin-sick, hell-deserving soul. God is the one who gave me His Word. God is the one who's given me the clothes on my back and the food in my belly and everything that I have. It isn't anything. I didn't plant any of it. I, didn't, I don't deserve any of it, but God's given it to me. And sometimes when prosperity comes and blessings come, We get to that verse that says from the guy, I forgot his name, the, the uh, man in the New Testament who looked at his barns and he said, whoa, I've got lots of stuff in these barns. I'm going to have to tear these down and build bigger ones. And then something like, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And so Joshua saying, don't forget what God has done for you. This is a time of victory. That's good, isn't it? Victory in Jesus, my Savior. This is a time of victory. All the ites have been defeated. But it's also a very dangerous time. 
Because when we get a few victories under our belt, I'm not talking about going against the ites, but I'm talking about going against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We get a few victories under our belt, and then we kind of, we, 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 if we're not careful, if we're not careful, I'm not saying we're all doing this, but if we're not careful, we can begin to think, I've got this. And as soon as I think I've got this, Satan's got me. I don't have this. I don't have this. So it's very dangerous. What can happen in times of prosperity? What can happen in times of blessing? Well, the nation of Israel has shown us what not to do. Many times in the nation of Israel, in the time of prosperity, in the time of blessing, they started worshiping idols. I, I, every time I read this, I think, what, what's going on? <laughs> how, can you, how can you worship an idol when God, you saw God part the Red Sea? How, how, can you, how can you, I read it in my Bible reading this week, how can you sacrifice your child to Moloch? The people of God got that bad. That they sacrificed a baby to a false god. What's going on? How can you do that? And yet, how many idols do Christians have today? Oh, it might not be Moloch, it might not be Baal, but unfortunately, we all have them. So it's very dangerous. Because then not only idol worship can come in, but we see from the nation of Israel that complacency can come in. Complacency. Meaning, yeah, let's, whatever. Whatever. We just get in this religious routine. Boy, I don't want to. And you know what? I, I, have to, I have to ask the Lord to forgive me. Don't get in a religious routine. Because you get in a religious routine and you'll get in a religious rut. You get in a religious rut and Satan has you right there where he wants you. Yes, you're on your way to heaven, but you're not able to do anything for the glory of God. I don't want to be there. And I have to admit that I can get there as much as anybody. But complacency. And then oh, well, apathy. Wow. God guard our hearts and God guard my heart. I'm preaching to me. We can become apathetic toward everything. It kind of reminds me of a place in the scriptures. Hold your place in Joshua 24, we're still in the introduction. As I said, it, the other part will probably be shorter, but let's see what the Lord has. And go to Revelation 3. Now, I want to tell you, I want to just tell you this from my heart, that this is not the message that I had intended to preach. And yesterday at about 7.30, 8 o'clock last night, God began to move me to this text in Joshua. And so this is just the leading of the Lord. I know I needed, I needed this text, and as I wrote things down and all of this, uh, God put it all together, and so let's give God the glory for it. But I'm just telling you, I'm really, I'm really desirous of bringing God the glory, but of also bringing a truth home that I pray we will all receive. Revelation 3.14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, here it is, I am rich. I don't, I don't know that anybody here is necessarily saying that in the sense of a financial status, but we are rich today. We live in a country of great riches. Travel the world, travel to some places. I haven't been very many places, but I've been enough to know. I've been to a few and enough to know that we live in a very rich place. But that means it's dangerous. And increase with goods.
I have to tell you, I am increased with goods. I have more than one pair of shoes. That's, a, that's probably uh, putting me up there in the world with more than one pair of shoes. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm, I'm just trying to say, I believe God is, has something for us today, so don't miss it. I have multiple choices of shirts to wear every day. I don't have to wear the same shirt every day. I'm increased with goods. It's dangerous, though. And have need of nothing. Have you ever heard somebody say this? How do you buy something for someone who has everything? Now, most of us would say, well, Pastor, I don't have everything. I have a list of 25 things. I know I'm just kidding. But it's true. I mean, really, really. And knowest not, but here's the key, knowest not, and maybe you want to circle those two words because I've circled them, not that because I did, but because this is important. He says that you are increased with goods, you are rich, you say that you have need of nothing, but something you don't know. Don't miss it. John says, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, that you don't know that you are wretched. Ouch. <laughs> you don't know that you're actually miserable. You don't know it, but you're actually poor. Right there. Blind and naked. Mm. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see and as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Praise God for his chastening in my life. Praise God that he rebukes me and, and I hope you can say that today as well. Be zealous therefore and the last word of verse 19. What is it? Repent. Can we say that together? Repent. Be zealous about repenting. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and to him and, and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. The church of Laodicea. It's dangerous to think that we have everything, to think that we have need of nothing. And John says, actually, you're deceived. Let's go back to Joshua 24. And let's look at our text verse. The Bible says, Joshua 24. Thank you for listening. Please listen to the Lord. Please just obey the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, that's always been an intriguing question to me, statement. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's look at this statement. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Number one, we see that it is a deliberate decision. It is a deliberate decision, and we see that in one word, and that is the word choose. Choose. To choose is to make a decision, a deliberate decision. We can simplify this so much to say that earlier I said that, you know, I have uh, more than one shirt to wear, and so I, can, I have to make a choice. I have to make a deliberate decision, you know. Which one? That's so, that's so trivial compared to this, but I'm just trying to get us to understand the word choose. Joshua comes to the people and he's telling the people, this is about it for me. And this is all that God has done. And he's saying, okay, it's now come to a place where you must choose. You must make a deliberate decision. Now I'm calling on us today at Anchor Baptist Church to choose. To make a deliberate decision. We'll talk about that as we go through this. Deliberate decision. Number two. Not only is it a deliberate decision, but number two, it is a personal decision. 
choose you. Choose you this day. Other than the really, really young people that are here today, and I don't know what that age is, maybe the four-year-olds and down. I mean, they're, they're young, but they're just following everything and so, so forth and so on. That's a good thing. But for the most of the people here today, this is for you. This is a personal decision. You. It's not good enough that your dad is choosing. It's not good enough that your mom is choosing. You need to choose. It's not good enough that your husband is choosing or your wife is choosing. You need to choose. It's not good enough that the pastor is choosing or the pastor's wife is choosing or brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or whatever. Let's put the spotlight on your seat right now. Let's put the spotlight on me right now, not me personally, but all of us individually. Joshua said, choose you. I don't know how many people were there. But he was talking to every one of them individually, not necessarily corporately. He's saying, choose you this day. Choose you this day. And it was a message, yes, for the group, but it was also a message for the individual. It is a deliberate decision. Choose. It is a personal decision. You. Thirdly. It is an urgent decision. For me, I see that in those two words, this day. This day. Would you please go with me in your Bible to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in chapter number 6. I believe that this decision that needs to be made could be looked at in a couple of different ways. This urgent decision, this message is primarily to the believer today. But I also believe that there might be someone in our midst today that is not saved. They're not on their way to heaven. Uh, if they died tonight, they, they don't know. They might go to heaven, they might go to hell, not really sure about it. Or there might be some, one in here today, I don't know, that would say, oh, I, I already know for sure, I would not be in heaven. Well, then don't miss this verse. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 1, we then as workers together with him beseech you, beseech you. That beseech is kind of almost as strong as saying we beg you, we implore you that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Notice, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Notice, behold, and what's the next word? Do you see it? What is it? Now. <laughs> now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, what's the next word? Now, two times. Not later. It's urgent. What's the urgency here? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is an urgent decision that you need to make. I cannot make it for you. Your friend cannot make it for you. I can't even, I'm not trying to, uh, let's say, convince you. I'm just... I'm just delivering a I'm a message or a, a messenger delivering a message. And the message is this. Paul said in here, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're not sure that heaven is your eternal home, why are you waiting until tomorrow? Turn to Christ today. Come to Jesus today. He will in no wise cast you out. Well, I think I got saved 10 years ago, but I'm not sure. I wouldn't be, I, that's not what I would want my eternal destination on. I think I prayed a prayer when I was seven, but I'm not sure. Okay, then you know what? You need to get saved. Because praying a prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. If you're depending on a prayer to save you, that's a work. Hello? That's a work. Now, it's okay to pray and accept Jesus Christ as Savior, don't get me wrong. But that's not what I'm depending on. 
I'm not depending on some 10, 11, or 12, or 14, or 18 words. I'm depending on the shed blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth me from all sin and the empty tomb that gives me victory over the power of sin and someday from the very presence of sin in heaven. Praise God for that. I'm not trying to, un, I'm not trying to make you doubt, but I'm just trying to say that it is an urgent decision, number one, to get saved. To get saved. If you're not sure about that, don't wait. And the invitation we're going to have here in just a little bit, you ought to be the first one down to the front and say, I need to get saved right now. Who cares what anybody thinks? Right now, I need to get saved. But secondly, I believe it's also an urgent decision in the context of our message today. This day. The prayer request on the pulpit has been here now for just a few weeks, and it's pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. This day. I'm, I'm asking you, us as a church today. Today, not tomorrow. Not when it's convenient. Because Satan will never make it convenient. Satan will always keep distractions. This day. Then we come down to the last one. And that is the last four words. Whom ye will serve. And that is a serving decision. Because in a minute, I'm going to call us to a decision because I believe a Bible message should call us to a decision. A decision will be made. Because he said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And then he said, are you going to go back and serve the ites? Right? Or are you going to serve God? So what is Joshua saying? For me, I think he's saying, you're going to serve one or the other. So today, we don't have any Amorites, Perizzites, you know, Jebusites, Canaanites, but we have the worst enemy I have, me, me, I'm my worst enemy. Which am I going to serve? What's the choice? Am I going to serve me or am I going to serve the king? We will serve one or the other. Now, sometimes it's a back and forth. It's a battle. But I'm saying today, I'm asking you, I'm imploring you that we consider Joshua's message. We consider the, 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 uh, the situation of our country. That we consider the situation and the turmoil and the sin in all of it that we consider that but that's not going to change anything until God's people until pastors until members and attenders and children of God say okay enough's enough I've been going back and forth on this fence for a decade. I've been going back and forth on this fence for five years. I've been going back and forth on this fence. I've been serving God for a little while, but then I go back to serving me. Joshua said, choose you this day. Let's go to 1 Kings 18, quickly. I'm reminded of another similar type challenge. From the prophet Elijah. Elijah's on Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal are there. And the people of God are there. 
Verse 19, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the Grove, 400, 850 false prophets. Woo! Outnumbered. Wow, that must have been intimidating. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Look at verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between how many opinions? Two, not 42. That's where we are right now. That's where we are. We're not on Mount Carmel. We're on Mount Wedgwood. Hello. We're on Mount Wedgwood. Thankfully, we don't have 850 false prophets in here. Hopefully, we don't have any, but I'm no Elijah, but we can hear the words of Elijah because all Scripture is profitable for you and me right now. And he says, how long halt ye between two opinions? And we could back up in time, and we could listen to the words of Joshua. And Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve all those false gods, or are you going to serve the living God? I call on you young men today. Are you going to serve the false gods of this world, fame, fortune, success? Are you going to serve the one true God that did everything for you, that saved your soul, that, that done, that's provided you everything? All that you have is from the Lord. Who are you going to choose? I call on you dads today. Yes, your children will have to choose for themselves someday, but I call on you dads today. Make it, comf not comfortable, but give them an example of someone in front of them who says, we're I'm choosing the Lord. I'm choosing the Lord today. That means we're getting involved in everything we can at the church. That means we're getting involved in the outreach. We're getting involved in all the services. We're getting involved in everything we can. Elijah said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, how many of you think the Lord is God? Raise your left hand. How many of you think the Lord is God? Raise your right hand. If you think the Lord is God, let's give God a hand. Yeah, if you think the Lord is God, and I'm clapping too, give the Lord a hand. If the Lord be God, Elijah said, then follow him. How long are we going to wait to get into this thing? You have one life. I have one life. He says, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, boy, how many of us think Baal is God? I didn't see anybody's hand. I didn't ask you to raise your hand, so hopefully you'll think Baal's God. But Baal's not God. And you know, for me, I mean, the people answered him not a word. I don't know what that's going on there, but how I interpret that, I wrote down in my Bible the two words, very sad. I don't know what I would have done. Maybe I would have been quiet too. But if, you know, I would like to have think we would have, somebody would have said in the crowd, let's follow the Lord. Nobody did. It's quiet. Hmm. Back to our text. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That word serve there means to fulfill the role of a slave. Doesn't sound very exciting. Verse 14 of our text, of our passage, not our text verse, but it said how they're supposed to serve. They're supposed to serve in sincerity and in truth. The word sincerity means wholeheartedly. Completely. With every fiber of my being whether I can be mobile and serve him mobile or I can serve him in my prayer closet or I can serve him in whatever way, I am serving him in sincerity and in truth. That's what he said to do. Today I'm calling on Anchor Baptist Church to choose. Today I'm calling on each and every one of us to choose. I'm calling on the men. Men, let's choose. I'm calling on the ladies. Ladies, choose. 
I'm calling on every age group here this morning. Choose. The old, the young, choose. God has done way too much for me. God has done way too much for you, as Joshua said, only to see us play around with this one life. I'll say this, I'm saying it as compassionately as I can and lovingly as I can. No one should have to be begged to come to church. It should be the hardest struggle of your life to miss church. Like, I mean, you just are in bed and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and God has done way too much for me. God has done way too much for us only to see his children not be faithful. And I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about faithfulness. You don't have to have a degree from college to be faithful. I don't have to have a degree from wherever to be faithful. I can just be faithful in the power of the Spirit of God. By the way, I can't be faithful in the power of the flesh. Don't try to do that. Won't work. God has done way too much for me. God has made way too much for His children to be doing less and less. No, we need to do more and more. Verse 16, the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord. Let's stop right there. Can, you, can we agree? Can we say today, God forbid, that we should forsake the God of heaven? God forbid that we should forsake reading his word. God forbid that we should forsake meditating on his word. God forbid that we should forsake sharing his word. God forbid that we should forsake the one who, yes, look what all he did, but those parallels to everything that he did for uh, Israel out of Egypt is the same thing he did for us to bring us out of sin and know that heaven is our home. The same go together. God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I'm going to say this. I don't think anybody here would on purpose say, I'm forsaking God, I'm serving myself. I don't think anybody here would do that. I don't think anybody here has that desire in their heart. I don't. But that's why the devil is so slick. The devil is so a, a conniver. And he messes with this. And we, we wouldn't think to do that on purpose, but wow, that's why we've got to guard this thing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 4.8 gives us a whole list of things to be thinking about. Think on these things. Verse number 21. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. That's a good answer. Look at verse 24. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. Now, I'm, I, I shouldn't be uh, saying it that way, maybe because I believe this was a genuine thing. We're going to serve the Lord. Sadly, it didn't last very long. Just start reading the book of Judges. Because every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But at least there was, and this is why I'm saying it's not just July 9th, 2023, but, but we are choosing this day. It's my prayer anyway. So they said, hey, okay, yes, 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 yes. Okay, now look, if you will, in verse 25. We're just about done. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great what? Stone. Why was the stone put under the oak tree? Any ideas? It's a marker, right? 
It's kind of like when the, they went across the Jordan River. Do you remember what happened when they went across the Jordan River? One from every tribe took a stone. So they would remember. Man, right there. Twelve stone. God did a miracle here. I think this, this stone or this rock is it's, it's for a remembrance. That the people said, or serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua said unto all the people, verse 27, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. That means that this stone, which has no lips, <laughs> obviously, but it can speak. Every time we look at this stone, this stone is saying, you said you were going to serve the Lord. That's what it's going to say. It's a witness to the decision that we made. If you got married, when you got married, if you got married, when you got married, if you're married, you got a certificate, probably, I guess, of some kind. And uh, it was a uh, remembrance, not just for the government, but before God. That you said, I do. And I do, and all the rest of it. And you look at that certificate, and it ought to tell you, it ought to tell me, hey, remember what you said? Better for worse, richer for poor, sickness and in health, to love and cherish till death do us part. Remember, when you see that, it should remind you, it should remind me of something. I gave my word. How valuable is our word? I hope it's valuable to us. These people gave their word. They said, yep, we're in. Joshua said, okay, we're putting a rock over here, and this rock over here is a witness to what you just said. Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It doesn't have lips or ears. But all of a sudden, this stone can talk, and it hears things. Don't you love the Bible? Anybody who says the Bible's boring, they haven't read the Bible. This is more exciting than Hollywood. Joshua said, this stone hears things. It's okay to smile, church. I know it's a serious message, but I like, to, I like that God puts that in there. Uh, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. In other words, it heard all that sermon. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, notice, lest ye, what? Three words. Deny your God. Every time you walk by this rock on Shechem, you go back on the Lord. You're going to walk by this rock. You're not living for the Lord. And you're going to look at that rock and it's going to say, hey, remember Joshua's message? And it's going to say, in case you forgot, I could repeat it, because I'm a witness. God said I was a witness, the first talking rock. I know that's a little bit of exaggeration. But you have to use a little bit of imagination, not to add to the Bible, but so that it will speak to you. And But it's, it's speaking to me right now. I brought some stones with me today. I brought some rocks with me today. Thank you, Jonah, for your help. I don't know how many I have. I don't know if I have enough. I hope I run out, actually. But I've got a rock here. This rock says, today I choose Jesus. It doesn't say I choose the church. Doesn't say I choose Pastor Turner. It says I choose Jesus. It's got the date. It's got Joshua 24. If you're not saved, you need Jesus to be saved first. But if you're saved, I'm calling on all of us to choose Jesus.
Choose you this day whom you will serve. Kevin, can you help me? Just put a chair over there. Thank you. Just a minute. Service is going to, the invitation is going to start. We'll have some piano music. We'll have our heads bowed and eyes closed. I know for me, if I have something to, to look at on my desk over here, I have like 10 or 15 post-it notes of names and this and that, and I look at them every day that I'm here, which is almost every day. And now I'm going to add this one to the, my desk, tape it down, because I'm choosing Jesus today too. Yeah, I've already chose Jesus before. Okay. I'm saying, Joshua said, choose you this day. These, these people that Joshua was speaking to, they had already chose God in a sense. But he was saying, choose you this day. You've got everything you think you have and everything you think you need. By the way, don't make this decision because somebody else goes and takes a card. Don't do that. You're not ready to choose Jesus. And by the way, I'm not saying that you're not saved, but there's a difference between being a disciple and being a follower. I'm just saying today, this, this church, it's the Lord's. This, this church is the Lord's. I'm calling on us today. Choose Christ.